Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. My name's Dan Martin, special effects artist and podcaster, and I'm joined, as ever, by my lovely co-host... Sam Ashurst. I'm a writer, I'm a director, and I'm very excited to be discussing Dan's choice for this fortnight, Die Ma Jean, uh, which is a, a movie I absolutely love. Dan, why did you pick this one specifically from the box set because it is a trilogy and they're all kind of complete stories so why did you go for the first one because people gave me shit about choosing the second complete story from the black society trilogy by people <laughs> you mean i'm not me, pointing any fingers <laughs> <laughs> well now i'm going to give you shit for not picking the second one because it's better but i'm joking i'm joking this is an absolute comfort movie for me so isn't um, it great yeah how did you first see it and, and what's your kind of relationship with this film well so this is actually my first time seeing the whole film oh wow um i'd always been sort of aware of them and i feel like they'd been put on at like a party in the background or something like that was when i first first saw it but but I don't think I'd ever actually sat down and watched the whole movie. As as some people will know, these haven't been released in the UK before. I think they had domestic releases in the States. But yeah, this Arrow box set is the first time that these movies have been like officially available in the UK. And while, as regular listeners will know, I watch a lot of stuff that isn't officially available in the UK, these are just... I'd never, like, you know, whether it was lack of focus or not being able to get anything that I felt was good enough quality, I just hadn't seen them before i'd seen clips and i knew about them but it was a a real delight to sort of get to sit down with these movies and they are two genres i love mashed together in a way that i love yeah absolutely yeah it's just one of those films where you just feel kind of in good hands straight away like it, it starts with such a beautiful intro um and then we kind of go into what could be a zatoichi movie which i think is kind of partly what you're referring to there in terms of the two yeah because obviously there are a lot of zatoichi players in this movie which makes sense as it's released by the same studio um it's something that i guess i have more of a relationship with i'm 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 just sorry if i sound a bit flustered it's because i'm really surprised that this is kind of your first proper watch this is just the pinnacle of a Dan movie it's the ultimate kind of Dan movie so I'm very glad that Arrow's released it on this gorgeous yeah uh, it's really beautiful blue it's one I kind of included on a total film list in 2013 I think it was called something like the 50 uh, 50 amazing obscure movies you've never seen or something like that and other films on that list have actually since been released on blu-ray as well it was stuff like the cremator v Killer Party, Gwendolyn, Horrors of Malformed Men and The Oily Maniac, which were all relatively obscure, believe it or not, at that point in time. But they've all kind of come out on Blu-ray and found their audiences. But there's loads of movies on there that still haven't made the leap. So it's a good article for people who want kind of extra recommendations. But yeah, this one in particular, yeah, if I was to pick one movie from that total film list that... I would assume that you would love already, Dan. It's this one. So how did it feel to properly take it in 
And also, how did you feel watching the extras? Because there's a really wonderful video essay about oh my the effects. Goodness, yeah. I literally got a shiver down the back of my... Like, just thinking about it again. It's so good. Yeah, I got emotional watching it, actually. I welled yeah. up watching this extra. Like, there's just something really powerfully moving about the behind-the-scenes shots and the words being said. <laughs> All without life insurance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's an absolutely beautiful movie. We've we've talked about Asian cinema at length over the years mm. um, on this podcast, and you know, in private, and we've both got such a such a soft spot in our hearts for samurai movies and period Japanese cinema that this was obviously going to be in the, the you know the first two thirds. This was obviously going to be an easy sell for me. Uh, I'm a big fan of Top Knots. Uh, I'm a big <laughs> fan of Warlords, not in the real world. <laughs> It, and it is, I think um, Kim mentions in his uh, in his intro to this, Kim Newman, the bad guys are pretty, like they're a little one note, little pantomime but actually that adds to the kind of comfortingness of it. Mm. Um, it's, all, it, it's all so familiar, but it's also really exciting and fresh. And actually one of the things that slightly took me by surprise watching these lovely prints was how high quality a lot of it is. Mm. From the practical effects to the optical effects, there's some yeah. really, really top quality stuff in it. And by this point in in the sort of Godzilla movies, they were sort of slipping down towards B movie stuff a little more. And like, I love those movies. I love kaiju movies, and I love them in all shapes and sizes. From you know, from your absolute high points all the way to your giant claws. But this is, I'd say, probably one of the most technically proficient from an effects standpoint. And that does make it an like adds that extra sort of frisson of excitement to it to see these things being done so well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of important to point out that this was actually an A picture um, to Gamera's B picture. To, yeah, so yeah, Gamera's Baragon. The, yeah, so um, this it's definitely kind of more lush and serious and highbrow. As you say, like everything is, is really kind of top notch. And it is slow paced. It, it does take a long while for Dai Ma Jin to show up. Um, because of filming restrictions set by the producers, they kind of figured that the less special effects there were, the easier it would be to churn out a franchise. And these three films were shot back to back. So very similar structurally. I do feel I need to kind of warn people about that element to it, but... Yeah, it's more like each one is a reimagining of the same myth yeah. than that they're sequential franchise pictures. Exactly, yeah, um, that, that's exactly it, yeah. But but I actually, I think that there's no real problem with that. They're varied enough that, you know, it's it's not like we go to see kaiju movies for the like the huge change in structure and while yeah. these differ a little bit in that they have that kind of much more samurai movie structure where it's much more about the characters for the first two thirds and then all the actions in the last act yeah um yeah i don't like i wouldn't even call these slow movies i think they're only slow movies if you're purely there for the property damage if all you want to see is buildings getting knocked down, then yeah, it's a slow movie. But then I don't think they are. Like it's really like there's some really good stuff. There's some great like uh, there's some great uh, oppression going on in the build up. Like this really fantastic broad strokes warlord just coming in and just being awful to everybody. It's got some great. I don't want to spoil it, but it's got some great like haha, you fell for my trick moments which i love yeah like all the way through it's got beautiful photography beautiful production design it's got huge crucifixions it's pretty much everything you want like a lot of like hanging people upside down hanging people from trees it's got everything 
Absolutely. I mean, I think if if this was pitched as a samurai movie, then I wouldn't even be mentioning the um, yeah exactly the pacing. Um, oh. But because it, it, people see this as kind of a kaiju movie, um, and we are dealing with a generation that thought there were, there were too many humans in um, Godzilla: King of the Monsters. Um, <laughs> you know, if if you, if you don't like humans in your kaiju movie, you have definitely come to the wrong place. Imagine um, if they'd uh, imagine if they'd marketed this like Dust Till Dawn. Well, exactly. Where you it, didn't know there was going to be a kaiju in it. Exactly. Yeah. Um. But yeah, when I say so slow paced as well, it's not a criticism. It's a compliment. Like I, yeah, I love yeah, the way this this film. Yeah. Exactly. It takes its time, and you're with these characters. And what's really interesting is there are no real heroes in it in the kind of traditional way. It, it's people who are surviving. And Kim talks a little bit about that in his intro as well. It's a fucking amazing intro by yeah, Kim it's Newman. Really good. Like I think it's like fifteen minutes long, Love and uh, I watch a, a, you know whenever I see Kim uh, as a special feature on a disc, a I'll buy the disc, and b it's one of the first things I'll watch. Um, but this is up there with with the best of those that he's done. You can tell that he clearly loves these movies, and yeah. he's got some action figures in the background as he's talking. And yeah, it's just really and and that is kind of one of the main reasons to recommend this set. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to recommend this set, but the extras are yeah. really, really next level. Like the commentary on this disc is insane. Did you have a chance to listen to the commentary, Dan? Yeah, it's like an info dump like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it, it kind of like st- even even starting with like the the news of the world as like to seat it culturally on the international stage. Like it's talking about what have been going on in America, what have been going on in Japan, what movies have been coming out in different countries. Like it's really exhaustively detailed. That's it. Detailed is the word. Like like you say, it starts with that historical context and then we get really detailed backgrounds and all the key players and yeah that historical context gives you loads of potential recommendations though perhaps not winnie the pooh and the honey tree um though (laughs) you know shout out to eeyore i do love eeyore he's kind of something of a a style icon to me um but yeah uh the more the commentary continues kind of the better the movie drops get and you really should watch basically everything that's that's listed here at some point someone will do a letterbox list of all, all the movies that are mentioned in this commentary and they really are yeah. really really I- incredible um yeah it's just overwhelmingly clever this commentary you'll feel like an expert on on 60s japanese culture after watching it yeah really really yeah, great it, it's yeah it's very very interesting to look at like talking about the other japanese films that are coming out and there that he mentioned a lot of movies that i think i probably hadn't heard of a couple of years ago and it's only through this podcast digging through stuff and being a little bit more like uh, proactive when it comes to searching out lost stuff in this or, or you know stuff that may not be accessible to us at the moment in a way that I haven't really been since my twenties. Hmm. Um, and then to hear them being referenced in this, it was like, oh fuck yeah, that's really great. Like it's it's so nice to feel more like in the space of the film. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and another kind of special thing about this film is the music, which kind of feels like Godzilla from the opening credits. And yeah, uh, yeah there's also a lot of kind of fantastic details about the composer in the commentary as well. Akira Ifkube, who wrote 250 scores 
in his lifetime, yeah, including 10 in 1966 alone. <laughs> and they all get listed in this commentary, which is fantastic. But there's something of like a six degrees of separation to this commentary because, you, you know, you hear about the backgrounds of, of the main players and and the movies they were making at the time and the significant movies that they made already. And yeah, I just think if you love this podcast, you really will love this commentary because it will just set you off on on a wonderful cult cinema journey. And that's really worth a, a lot of the money that you'll you'll pay for this uh, this set. Yeah, absolutely. The only the only two complaints I have about the extra features on this, and they're both about Kim's uh, extra, are one that it shouldn't be called an intro because if you haven't seen the films before, you shouldn't watch it first because <laughs> it yeah it definitely talks at length about stuff that you probably don't want to know about. It should be called like a retrospective or a revisit or something like that because it's so good or an outro. So or an outro, exactly. Uh, and the second is that he doesn't describe uh, Damogen as a Dei Ex Machina. Oh, that's very good, Dan. Well, right? you know, let's get them to re-release this. Uh, this, this. <laughs> Call them, recall them all. They've Turn made up a mistake. Kim's house. Kim, yeah. Kim, we need you to say one word, <laughs> and you're just going to turn to camera and say it right down the barrel of the lens. We'll chop it in; it'll be fine. Yeah, let's let's also do something that we very very rarely do, but let's take a moment to talk about the packaging because it's stunning. It's just beautiful. Like, I really really hope that Arrow do more boxes like this because it's just a joy to a interact with. Yeah, it's, how, it's like um, opening a present which has lots of goodies inside vinegar syndrome do their triple discs um and it does it's like it's yeah i think it's probably my favorite type of uh, of box set i think maybe the only thing i'd prefer is if they were slimmer cases so they took up less space on my shelf i've spent all day thinning the collection to get everything up on the shelves no i yeah i i i mean they are slim line compared to like the normal arrows they they are more in line with vinegar syndrome um and yeah very similar to the homegrown horrors volume one box set if anyone out there's got that um and and yeah there's a massive book in there as well that takes up a lot of space and yeah just combined with the gorgeous art um on on all the discs and also you know on, on the box itself like it just feels like something that should be properly displayed um, with like a spotlight on it. I love it so much. So thank you, Arrow, for putting out these movies and for giving them such a loving treatment. I can't imagine, you know, if if you haven't seen it, Dan, if you haven't seen these before this episode... I think there's going to be a lot of people who haven't. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be a really under-the-radar one. So let's let's kind of leave it there, I guess. I mean, we've given people more than enough reasons to, to seek it out, unless you've got anything else that you want to say. No, I think I'm good to move on to recommendations. Let's do it. All right, so what's first up from you? Well, first up is a gripe. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> I, I want to be able to recommend a film, Sam, uh-huh. and it was meant to be out in 2017, oh. but it's never been released. And oh, I don't shit. know if it's because it was they didn't finish it or it was terrible, <laughs> but there was a movie called Kujin that was meant to come out in 2017, and it's another period kaiju picture. Oh, wow. And it appears to be a... A giant fucking lizard just ripping up hell in a, a sort of Edo period um, a village. Uh, like a two-minute trailer for it exists on YouTube. It's K-O-U-J-I-N mm-hmm. uh, if you want to watch it. 
and it was you know there were big promises about when it was going to come out it, it never surfaced i suspect it was off the back of shin godzilla they thought oh yeah let's do this because it has the same mad bobbly eyes as young shin godzilla which i love so much amazing um but yeah it's really worth uh, watching the little short in the same way that it's worth watching uh, Kasuhita Ishii's Gamera reboot short that never led to anything either. Evidently, they do these like little pitch t- trailers when the film doesn't exist yet, and then they do a big announcement that it's going to happen, and then sometimes it doesn't. But uh, but yeah, so instead, uh, I'm going to recommend Pulgasari from 1985. It's a Korean kaiju movie, but it's a North Korean kaiju movie. What? Uh, it's Yeah, it's one of the movies where they kidnapped a uh, South Korean and made them direct a film for them. Wow. Pulgasari... Uh, is actually the second filmic adaptation of this uh, myth, this Korean myth. Mm. Uh, Bulgasari uh, is the first one, but is considered a lost movie now. I've never been able to find it. I don't, don't think anyone can. But uh, it's from 1985. It It's about uh, an oppressive government taking away uh, small villages, like sort of plowshares and cooking pots to turn into weapons because they need more weaponry for whatever they've got going on and they go to this like weapon maker and they're like you make us all these weapons and he's like oh no someone's taken all the iron because he just gives all the iron back to everybody and they're like ah you you dick you've not done what we want and they starve him to death in a prison cell and as a last act of defiance he makes a little clay figure that represents a pulgasari which is this like sort of traditional creature and his daughter accidentally bleeds on it it comes to life it's a, like a tiny little sort of like four inch high Tadzilla kind of Godzuki thing squeaking and running about and most importantly eating metal and it eats metal and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and by the end of the movie it's Daimajin all over the place. Awesome. Uh, uh, yeah, and it's it's actually really good. And despite being kidnapped to direct it, the director actually obviously liked it enough that he remade it once he was back out of North Korea again a few years later. I've not seen his remake, but it looks a lot more like children friendly. But yeah, it's really really fun. It's on YouTube in its entirety with English subtitles. I don't even have to feel bad about watching uh, watching it on YouTube, given that it's owned by the North Korean government. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, it was a Japanese effects house did the did the creature work for it. It's pretty good. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, I'll check that out for sure. It's good that you'll have something to watch now, uh, Precious Arrowheads, because my first recommendation you won't be able to watch yet, because I'm going to ask you to pre-order Yokai Monsters Collection Limited Edition from Arrow. That is pretty much it. That's all I'm going to say, because... I'm fairly sure that this will be one that Dan will want to do as an episode. Already um, 100%, yes. Yeah, exactly. So I don't want to spoil anything about it, whether that's my opinions or, or any details that we're going to talk about. So really do just pre-order it right now. You will not regret it. My true love, Shay, once uh, through a yokai monsters themed party for one of her friends gretchen and their friend angie made uh the umbrella guy from the movie um <gasps> yes yeah exactly like amazing amazing replica it is really really incredible so i will ask shay if i can post a picture of that on twitter uh when this episode goes up because it's so good but just trust me and also trust dan you will want this box set. Pre-order Yokai Monsters Collection Limited Edition from Arrow. That is my first recommendation based on this film. Dan, what's next from you? I just, I'm very excited about a Casa Abeki, like Halloween costume. I it, don't quite understand how it works as a costume and that makes it all the more exciting. 
yeah just wait just wait but um yeah anyway yeah what what is next from you dan well so this was one that like i i figured was probably going to be a solid recommendation before i sat down with the box set and then it felt like a very obvious connection during the watching of the films and then kim mentioned it and i almost considered like not not talking about it but actually you know what fuck it it's such a good connection i actually had recently rewatched the 1920 Gollum, the Gollum uh german silent movie yeah did you uh, watch the eureka release or um, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah beautiful fantastic fantastic beautiful. release yeah, yeah. and and it's one of those yeah it, i think it's the second silent film i've recommended i think you've recommended a couple yeah i know they're not for everybody it's an absolute breeze it's so fun it's got you know it's got all your german expressionist favorite elements to it it's got a whole bunch of other stuff going on as well and it's just yeah it's beautiful it's exciting uh, and it sails by and there's a very strong like both thematic and yeah thematic structurally as well to structure yeah, yeah yeah i guess structure yes that's i think that's what i was trying to say i'm very tired that's <laughs> okay um uh, connection between uh between it and yeah. um and imogen the and actually when you watch especially into the second and third film of Dimogen, you do see them referencing western culture and western religion as they you know from from where they are so so it feels all the more likely that there was some of that in play when they were making the movie yeah i think so i think that's right and if there is anyone out there who is adverse to silent movies it really is just watching a film while listening to incredible music amazing soundtrack yeah yeah like imagine your favorite ever soundtrack pretty much every silent movie especially you know now they're being released on blu-ray has the equivalent and so you're just watching these wonderful images while listening to this lush glorious music and it is a different viewing experience for sure so it is in a slightly different box in your brain but if you love music and if you love cinema watch silent movies it's both um yeah. yeah and and also sometimes you get i think i might have mentioned this before but it bears mentioning again sometimes you get really lovely little events like uh, yeah. uh yeah. the uh, voyage to the moon which i think arrow put out again recently didn't they was it arrow yeah, yeah. Arrow, arrow put out air the french pop band released uh an album that is a soundtrack for that so even if you've already seen it, you can then bang that on on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever and uh, and watch it all over again. And it's a really nice experience watching it with that new soundtrack. It's, yeah, it's lovely. Like, whenever I kind of really want to unwind or relax, I will put on a silent film. Um, yeah, anyway, anyway. My next recommendation based on this film is mentioned in the commentary. So you've done one mentioned in the intro. I'm going to do one mentioned in the commentary. Tale of Zatuichi. Now, yeah, it's just a fantastic Zatoichi movie, basically, and it does get a mention here. But they are literally all superb. There is not a bad one. We've talked about this series in the past, so I I won't go on about it. But just watch the whole series if you've picked up this set. And it's a gateway into Japanese cinema because you just can't go wrong with any film in that Criterion box set. And there's many, many films in that set. A truly wonderful and awe-inspiring series. But um, yeah, they're all kind of good entry points in a weird way, but it is best to do them in chronological order. But anyway, um, I said I wasn't going to go on about it. You can just dip your fist into the set and I think you pull out, it's going to be great. 
yeah really really i think that is it for recommendations based on the film we are now going to do recommendations based on the past couple of weeks of watching dan what have you been viewing recently uh i picked up the recent uh, reissue on american blu-ray of steve wang's drive oh wow uh, starring mark dacascus and kadeem hardison yeah and a, a very early career performance from the late Brittany murphy i loved this movie when i discovered it I don't remember where I first saw it. I think it might have been a, an illicit VHS, but I had the English DVD and then I went to the trouble of getting the American DVD because I heard it was a different, slightly different cut, different soundtrack. And yeah, and this Blu-ray does it justice. It's a, it's a really, really fun action film. Steve Wang, for those of you who don't know, is a sculptor and a painter in the special effects world, probably most uh, known for sculpting The Predator, but also had directed Guyver before this, which is an, another Arrow title, and directed this. It's a really fun martial arts film. And while some of the direction might be a little creaky, still kind of finding his feet, it's got such good choreography. It's got loads and loads of every time someone falls down, it looks like they break their back, like they always land on a pipe or a short wall or something like that. It's a really like tense movie from a fight standpoint and it's absolutely bristling with that sort of 90s like buddy energy, you know, where they're they're constantly ribbing each other. It's absolutely fantastic fun and it's got a very peculiar ending and a ridiculous MacGuffin. So. Love it. Yeah, a great movie. I watched a, a 90s action movie last night, actually, with Shay, but not quite at the standard of Drive. It was uh, Savage from 1996. I think I I've ta- talked to you about it before. Maybe I'm not sure, but it's if you haven't seen it, Dan, I'm not even sure if I should recommend it to you or anyone. Uh, I did show it to Shay because, you know, she's seen so many movies. I'm trying to (laughs) find stuff that she hasn't seen. And so this was one. And it's basically the story of a rancher whose family gets killed for kind of vague reasons, who then goes into a coma for two years before waking up and being summoned to the desert where a alien turns him into a caveman and sends him on a mission to stop uh, a corporation from becoming a god in the internet. I think that's what it's about, but I'm not 100% sure. 1996. It is absolutely bananas from start to finish. Savage from 1996. It's It's just called Savage because... The, the our hero is a savage he he doesn't speak for it's oliver grunier as well so um who is an amazing action star anyone who's seen nemesis will, yeah, will love yeah. this actor and it is just you, you literally cannot predict what the next scene is going to be it's kind of yeah it's just it should be in the bad movie pantheon but for some reason it, it's just fallen under the radar but and it's got this kind of lush orchestral score as well. It's just such a weird fucking film. Anyway, that's not actually my recommendation from the past couple of weeks. That was just <laughs> off the back of you talking about the 90s. I'm just making more work for myself in the edit later on. But Paranormal Activity is my first recommendation this fortnight. And that is coming to you from Second Sight, who are obviously just knocking it out of the park this year. This is another luxury release of a, a modern masterpiece. Great extras, including a festival cut ending 
that I've never seen, as well as the original ending, um, which was obviously the the release has a completely different ending. Both of these endings are not good in different ways. I am so glad they changed it for the actual film because uh, Paranormal Activity is one of my favourite horror movies. Uh, as is Paranormal Activity 2, I really hope someone puts out a decent disc for that sequel because it is massively underrated. The stuff it does with the timeline is just genius and it's also really scary. For me anyway, Dan doesn't get scared by any films. But yeah, uh, until Paranormal Activity 2 comes to a boutique Blu-ray near you, you should buy Paranormal Activity 1. It's out today on Blu-ray from Second Sight and I recommend it. Nice, Sam. I spent your description there uh, looking at the filmography of Avi Nesher, the uh, director of Savage. It looks like he's actually like quite an important Israeli director, but would occasionally drift into doing amazing bad Western films. Yes. Uh, including, uh, he directed She from 1984, if you've not seen that. Yep, Shay and I were talking about this last night. Like We think he's like this absolute schlock pioneer, because that's another absolutely fantastic movie. Yeah. That's yeah. great. The script for Savage, it's really uniquely weird. And like the character names, like there's an Edgar Wallace in there. Um, I think there's an Alan Poe. Like there's loads of loads of literary allusions in it. And it does kind of feel a little bit like like a, a classic science fiction novel. But just the first draft of one, as opposed to one that's kind of had a rewrite and had the edges smoothed out. So, yeah, I so recommend Savage from 1996. And there's a small chance that you're able to watch it on YouTube uh, for free. But don't tell anyone I told you that. Dan, what's next from you? Uh, Jen and I watched this the other night. We were we were chatting about some bits and bobs. And she was like, have you ever seen dot dot dot? And I was like, no, I always just assumed it would be shit. <laughs> uh, but it's on Amazon, uh, mm-hmm. so we rented it for a couple of quid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we watched Snow White, A Tale of Terror. And oh. let me tell you, it is not shit. Oh. So this came out in the 90s. It's Sigourney Weaver. It's essentially a horror version of Snow White. And I think it came out around about the same time as there was like a Rumpelstiltskin horror that came out around then, which I saw and was utter garbage. And I think maybe I was just like, ah, they're just doing all the old fairy stories now. Was this around uh, the time of Company of Wolves as well or not? So this was a little after Company of Wolves. And I would say that while I don't think it can hold a candle to Company of Wolves, which I love, Mm. it does share an aesthetic with it. Oh, interesting. And it seems to be an American English co-pro. I know that Nick Dubman did the make effects for it he's an english kind of powerhouse probably most famous now for the potter movies but mm. started off doing he did jack nicholson's makeup for the batman for the first batman movie he uh he sculpted one of the first yoda puppets when he was a junior like you know he, he's mm. been in the industry for absolutely forever he's coming up to retirement now he said that his current job is his last one but from a technical point of view it's really interesting because i think a lot of the makeups are done in gelatin which was this kind of like midpoint between foam latex and silicon and while foam latex is still very much used, gelatin's kind of fallen by the wayside because, A, it's a bit gross using gelatin, but B, like all of the advantages it had over foam have been superseded by silicon. Mm. But So it's interesting to see these very translucent pieces quite early when that wasn't available to foam. There's a fantastic makeup on Sigourney, like halfway through it. Um, she plays the, uh, the evil stepmother. But it, yeah, what it does and doesn't take from the traditional fairy story is very interesting. Like it... it it kind of it doesn't doesn't have it. They shot it all over in Chechia, 
uh, the Czech Republic back then. And so it's beautiful, real castles. I think they shot in about four or five different castles. Great locations. Lots of really lovely photography. Lots of playing with shadows. And again, like, you know, like the Golem, it's, it, it's sort of like harking back to sort of German expressionist stuff in places. Very stylized. But then also with these quite modern optical effects and, and, and makeup effects. And it's not perfect. And also only one of the dwarves is played by a little person. <laughs> The rest, it's like Snow White and one dwarf and then like six guys, right. six dudes. One of whom's uh, played by, and I'm going to get his name wrong, is it Brian Glover from American Werewolf? Okay, Alien yeah. 3? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of the dwarfs. <laughs> oh my God, that's kind of perfect casting in a way. Um, yeah, he's not, he's, they, don't, they don't try and like, it's not like that... Um, Gary Oldman movie where he's playing a little person. Yes. They, they're just like, oh no, they're all just big. They're not even going to address it. They don't even address the fact that one of them isn't big. Like it's just they're just miners basically. They're just rogue miners out in the woods. Um, it sounds in- it sounds incredible. <laughs> like you oh, sold great. me on Brian Glover as a miner basically. Sigourney Sigourney Weaver has a uh, a, a, a magic mirror that's got a magical version of her with smoke for hair in it. Uh, and there's no who is the fairest of them all, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of like there is a poison apple. Like I said, it, it kind of really picks and chooses from the original mythology. Sam Neill plays the dad, mm-hmm. the the father that Sigourney Weaver marries. And yeah, it's just it's just got some really good fun stuff in it. It's a really good fun fairy tale horror. Excellent. Oh, I definitely watched that one. Tiptoes is the Gary Oldman movie. Tiptoes. That's the one. Wants to uh, to hunt that out. Uh, he just basically performs on his knees with shoes at his knees, which is obviously pretty offensive. Uh, <laughs> Another film that may be offensive to some for all sorts of reasons is my next recommendation. Not for ideological reasons, I should hasten to add, but for anyone who likes to kick back and and not necessarily put their full focus onto a movie, I I can't possibly recommend Mad God, although you you should watch it, and I'm wagging my finger uh, as I say that, even though that's not great podcast material, I'm literally wagging my finger at you. (laughs) Anyway, I I just went off on on a bit of a tangent there, but basically uh, Mad God is uh, an utter, utter masterpiece. It's directed by Phil Tippett, who you'll recognise from the You Only Had One Job meme around uh, the dinosaur supervisor credit uh, for from Jurassic Park that diminishes him because he's actually a complete and total genius he worked on Star Wars and obviously Jurassic yeah. Park and all sorts of um, incredible incredible effects contributions to the history of cinema but he's just hit the pinnacle of uh, his contribution to cinema, in my opinion. Mad God feels like an unholy collaboration between Terry Gilliam, David Lynch, Carol Zeman, Jan Svankmeyer, and Vladislav Stevich, all of whom you should immediately look at their oeuvre if you haven't already. Uh, God, you know I'm getting pretentious when I start using words like oeuvre. But yeah, this film, it decades in the making. It, it was started uh, in, in 1987 and Tippett worked on it on and off until 2020. And it's basically either the film of the year, the decade or the century, depending on your perspective. In my view, it should be launched into space as the final document of humanity, which it lays bare in all its shitting, bleeding and puking glory. I need someone to release this on Blu-ray as I don't want to fucking stream it. I want to frame it. Um, As soon as it's out, I will watch it every day for the rest of my life. 
Tippett has created the culmination of my dream for someone to bring back silent cinema. He's done it. There is no dialogue in this film, only noises and music. Yeah, it's uh, it, it just blew me away. It's awe-inspiring. And as for the plot, it's about everything. And as such, everyone should see it, even though I said that bit about how it will upset some people who just want to watch MCU movies. I think everyone in this world should be encouraged to sit down and watch this film because it contains some pretty stark warnings uh, as well as some very very powerful emotional experiences if you consider repulsion and disgust and emotion it's fucking amazing mad god i worship you this gets my highest possible recommendation i don't know when it's out i saw it at fantasia so keep an eye out for for listings just please god arrow Arrow, release this on Blu-ray, please, I beg you. I will do a commentary for free, I'll do a video essay for free, whatever you want, just please, please release Mad God. Uh, Right, that's the end of that bit. Um, Extra features? Extra features. (laughs) Extra features, extra features. Dan, do you have any extra features? Well, only based on you talking about Stervich. Oh, great which I think it's called uh, Scenes from an Animal's Life. Is that it? The, short, uh-huh. the the wedding, the stop motion wedding done with insects. Watch that. Love it. Love it. I, I don't have much this fortnight um, because I spent most of my time watching Predator and Predator 2 with Shay from Black Widow for uh, an upcoming Evolution of Horror episode. So do keep an ear out for that. That should be up soon when this episode goes out. And there are still VHS tapes available of A Little More Flesh and A Little More Flesh 2, which I'm releasing with Black Widio. These come with a beautiful soundtrack cassette and a 1970s style poster in a $60 bundle. They are going fast. Uh, we've sold 23 tapes in the first week and there are only 78 overall ever ever so if it sells out in the pre-order period then then they're gone there's there's no more coming in so um do have a look at my twitter page i've pinned uh, our kind of retro advert for the release to the top of my page and there's a link there where you can pre-order um and if you don't get one please do not complain to me as some people did when frankenstein's creature sold out i'm so sorry vhs is rare and 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 limited and so we can't put out you know thousand tape releases so it really is just these 78 and i really really hope that if you want one you do get one dan anything else from you before we wrap this glorious episode up no that's it Watch more samurai movies. Yes. <laughs> That's all. Yes. Get yourself your the Zatoichi set. Get yourself the Lone Wolf and Cub set. Are there any random ones you'd like to throw in, Dan? Yeah, I mean, well, there's the, the weird ones that I've been, like, raving about for a while, like Jideki Pornu, mm. which has to be seen to be believed and is a masterwork uh, there's so many of these these films share a link to hanzo the razor as well which is definitely not for everybody mm. but there's just so much amazing stuff out there and the western releases the english subtitle releases don't even scratch the surface and should probably point out that we're doing over the edge next time which is my choice but it is one that i know that dan uh, enjoys so yeah 
it won't be an argument episode and in fact i think we've got a pretty clear run now i don't think there's any we're going to argue about you Uh, hold on to your socks sam i've got uh, some controversial views coming up oh that's true actually oh god yeah we're also doing true romance so i I suspect that might be uh where those controversial views are coming from and we're also going to be doing blind beast which i haven't seen so there is a chance oh have you not seen uh, it sam Oh my goodness! Uh, no. Anyway, I love it. Um, love you know, it, but to be clear, you know how all my moral grandstanding is uh, always underpinned by this deep seed of hypocritical film enjoyment. <laughs> oh, is it one of those? Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I, I promise not to go too hard. And uh, just to be clear, to the arrowhead, we do. Dan and I do argue every now and then, but we still love each other. It's just. Um, you know, we're both very passionate about film, so uh, yeah. Does that make if sense? It's, yeah, I... it's worth watching. It's worth fighting about. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right. Well, I'll go into the old catchphrase then. I almost clapped then. Oh well, let's, should, should <laughs> I we do did a, a little applause. Let's do a stand up and clap. <laughs> I love it. The first time we've had applause on this podcast. Um, <laughs> social media, including the live episodes. I think the other thing that I should point out is that Dan and I are extremely tired, so there's a, a small chance that we're uh, we're starting to uh, lose our minds a little bit. So, shall we do our social media, which I almost forgot? Dan, how can people follow you? Uh, yeah, I'm at Thirteen Finger Effects. Uh, uh, and on both of the platforms (laughs) 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 on Instagram and Twitter um yeah there you go aren't you glad i said the thing about us being tired um yeah, i think that i think i got away with it <laughs> <laughs> i am at sam ashurst on twitter that's all you need to know at the moment uh though i'm also on instagram actually i'm posting about the release on there as well so at sam ashurst 23 um but yeah until next time thank you so much for listening and we promise to be promise. more professional next time. I, yeah. I kind of fucked up the outro there, didn't I? Because <laughs> I said fine. next time twice. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>